There's a lot of energy up here this morning. And everybody uh, been uh, ate their Wheaties this morning, which is good stuff. The uh, I really, uh, Chris, as you were uh, leading us in uh, confession and calling us to be warriors, I was thinking, oh, there's a great turn of a phrase, how we move from worriers to warriors. Because it's the worry that so easily we get... Sidetracked. That's what lessens our belief. That's the demonstration of our lack of belief is our worry. And we become warriors for Christ instead of warriors. And, uh, for, and we, we lose in what we've been singing about, of, of being transformed, of, of being made into a different people, uh, being, as we've been singing, being, uh, living for a whole different reason than the world. And that's what our, our passage is today. It's, it's about using um, the, the resources and gifts that we've been given. And, and, and instead of using them for the ways that the world would tell us to use them, we use them, we, we change the direction that they go. We, we change the direction that we give our very lives to. Every penny we own, every breath we take. Uh, in, our, in our passage today, as, we, as we're walking through the Gospel of Luke, learning, again, um, relearning our language, our common language in Jesus. Our word for the day is, is, is shrewd. And, and I want to tell you a story. First off, just to, before we read the passage, just the, the patron saint to me of, of this particular passage. It, it was uh, Frank Abingale. Junior, you know, you know, Frank. You know, the, there was a movie that was sort of loosely based on his life, called Catch Me If You Can. Tom Hanks was in it, and Leonardo DiCaprio. And at, at sixteen, Frank used his, the ingenuity that God had given him, the creativity, and even the brilliance to swindle a few thousand dollars out of his parents, out of his father, actually. Then he, uh, what, what he did was he took a credit card and, and went to the mobile station and he would buy things, bought in the course of a couple months, like 12 sets of tires. And he would buy the tires and then he would, um, and, and so he would, uh, and then give the tires back to the person he bought them from and say, why don't you give me half the money that I just charged and now you can go sell these tires again. So you'll make 150%. I'll make 50%. Everybody wins except dad. And that began his life of deceit. Where by putting his deposit slips in a deposit on the de deposit to, um, table at banks, he would get money deposited into his account. People unknowingly would have his deposit number, just not thinking about it. And he made a couple hundred thousand dollars that way. Using, uh, doing his own checks, made another couple hundred thousand dollars. And eventually, over the course of ten years, made over two million dollars. Impersonated different people along the way. And at uh, one time, even in, would impersonate an airline pilot in order to fly free, you know, in the jump seat 
how pilots could do that. And you know, this, was, this was in the 60s. This was in the days before you'd have really instant access to that kind of information. Eventually was caught, spent four, four and a half years in jail in France and in the United States. And somewhere in that time, you know, he, they, they, they say, this is free, but they say about 25 or 26 is when your brain fully forms and you have the capability for full um, uh, judgment. Some, for some folks, I still wonder. But uh, anyway, that's what they say. About age 26, he, he, you know, he'd spent a couple of years in jail and realized he had these gifts and abilities and ingenuity, a creativity, and the F- and so he he went to the FBI, and the FBI took him in. He went to banks and said, "You know, I'm really good at de- deceiving folks. So why don't you let me show you how easy it is to deceive you, so that you can then make a plan to stop crime." What 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 Frank was was then done? He, he took his shrewdness. This is what it means for this this picture that Jesus is giving us in our passage that we're going to read in a minute of what shrewd is that you, you take the gifts and abilities that you have all the resources at your disposal and instead of using them for your own self-fulfillment for your own self-preservation for your own fame your own dreams you take them and you use them for God's that's what shrewd is I want to warn you it's a whole life thing It's not just a nice Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or a couple hours a week. It's a whole life thing. That's what what Jesus talks about all the time. So you shouldn't be surprised by that. This is about taking all that we have, our gifts, resources, time, and energy, and, and using them with an ingenuity that comes from the Spirit of God for God's purposes instead of our own. Right, our passage then, which is one of, uh, uh, why well, I enjoy this, Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, and it is one of the most challenging parables to understand and, and to interpret. But I'll, um, uh, hopefully as we walk through it, we'll understand, not only understand, but then are then able to apply. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Speak to us this morning. Not just so that we understand in our minds, but that it touches our very soul and continues to lead us to encourage us, direct us according to the pleasure of your will. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. 
So summoning his master's debtor, one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? And he answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat, he said to him. Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Alright, let's walk through this story that Jesus is telling his disciples. There's a steward, a, a, sort of a guy that's a household manager. And he, has, um, he, he is to, to be the one in charge of all the possessions of the master. And what we're told is that somehow the steward has gotten lazy. The steward hasn't been doing his work. The steward's resting on his laurels. He's been wasting away. It's actually, you know, Luke 15 is the one before 16. It's nice how that works. And in the Luke 15 is the parable of the prodigal son. And the same word that is used of the prodigal son when he goes off in dissolute living is the same word that's used here for this steward. He's wasted away the resources that are his, that are, that are his masters. He's not been doing his job well. When his master comes to him, he realizes his problem. And then he shifts into a new gear. I mean, his job is gone. It's about to be gone. And now he's out to save his hide. He is, he is pure in purpose and focus on self-preservation. He's going to marshal all of his resources in a reckless abandon to save himself. To, to make it work to where he's going to still have food on his table when all this is done. Now, when I was thinking about just, you know, look at his, his focus, his energy, his, his, the risk that he takes, all that he's willing to do for, for, in order to save himself, what, what kept coming to my mind, which is why the opening prelude song worked so well, were the Olympics. And, and thinking about illustration after illustration after illustration of people who gave so much, who, who had their focus on life being one thing. 
So I found a number of pictures of you know, just folks that were just all out. Giving themselves, risking life, risking injury. Spent hours and hours and hours practicing, focusing, giving themselves to one thing. Willing to fly through the air. Willing to wear, along with three, four other people, these really sharp metal blades on their feet. And come within inches. Willing to to stop this flying black puck sailing at your face. In order to stop it from going on the goal. That's, that's this picture that Jesus is painting of us, of this, this steward. He, he recognizes that he has one thing, the one thing that he has to focus on, so he, in his shrewdness, marshals all of his resources in order to save himself. And what Jesus then turns to us he turns to the crowd and he asks us. Do you put that same focus on me? Do you marshal your resources, your time, your energy, your life with a reckless abandon? And do you focus that on The dreams of my Father? Is our energy so focused and marshaled the risk that we're willing to take for His kingdom? Jesus doesn't say this guy's really good because he's dishonest. It's not His point. His point is to say, look at how focused he is. Look at the shrewdness with which he marshals everything that he gives his heart, his soul, his mind, everything that he has towards this one purpose. Now, do we do the same for Jesus? Are we shrewd like this manager? Now, just a little biblical background here. The, the, Jesus does this a couple times with parables where he, use uns, he uses unsavory characters in order to teach a sweet truth. Does it? We'll look at another one next week in Luke 18 with the unjust judge as Jesus teaches about prayer. Does the same thing with prayer back in, in Luke 11 where he talks about the, the neighbor and just not wanting to get... Woken up in the middle of the night. And in Matthew 13, you see the same thing with the pearl of great price. Where Jesus uses unsavory characters to teach a sweet truth. Also, to help you understand this, this passage, you can look back at Proverbs 30 which speaks of this kind of shrewdness or this kind of wisdom, an earthly wisdom that is able to accomplish things in this life because of its focus, because of its reckless abandon, because of its organization of marshalling all resources. Um, Proverbs 30, starting with verse 24. Four things on earth are small, yet they are exceedingly wise. 
The ants are a people without strength, yet they provide their food in the summer. The badgers are a people without power, yet they make their homes in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard can be grasped in the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. A wisdom, a shrewdness that is an earthly wisdom that is able to accomplish things in this life because the forces are marshaled, the resources are focused in place. And so Jesus looking at this, bringing back this understanding of wisdom, this understanding of shrewdness, looking at this steward is now asking the disciples and asking us, do you have the same laser-like focus with all of your resources? All of your time, all of your gifts. Frank Abingale's illustration, maybe the patron saint of this, the Olympic athletes who marshal all that they are for sport. Another one that came to mind is a Catherine Rohr. Some of you may have heard of. Catherine Rohr. She was a, a Wall Street analyst until someone in her church asked her to, to come with her to the state penitentiary. And she thought she was going to go on a trip that would be similar to like a, a zoo, seeing wild animals behind bars. Her words. But when she arrived, she realized how wrong she was and prejudiced she was. And had written off an entire group of people because of her own prejudice. And because of this experience, it, was, it, it totally shook her. And being shaken up, God spoke to her and said, I want you to take your business ingenuity, the resources, the money and time that you have, and I want you to marshal those to help these inmates... Succeed in business. To which many people laughed in her face. These guys can't even write a letter home to mom, let alone write a business plan. But she realized that God had called her to be shrewd. To take a risk. To have a reckless abandon of using and marshalling all that God had given to her so that now she could help these individuals. So she cashed in her 401k, had all the resources she needed until her first day there um, next to the state pen. Her car got broken into and it was all stolen. So that didn't stop her. She then started raising money in addition to going into the, the prisons. And now is the CEO and, and, and founder of what is called PEP, the Prison Entrepreneurship Program. Now having a budget of over $2 million. And entering into state penitentiaries in order to help these clever, creative, Individuals take their, their resources and, and do exactly what Catherine did. Take their resources and marshal them for good. As I you know, considered this and lived with this passage this week, I, I wondered, all right, 
how, how are you calling me to be shrewd like this? How are you, how are you calling me to, to marshal the resources a little bit? To, to take a step of faith, to have a little reckless abandon. So, after a conversation with my wife, which was important, I said, you know, I just want to buy all the books we've got that are God's space by Doug Pollock. I want to buy them, and then I want to give them away. I don't want the church to buy them. I want us to buy them. And I just want to give them away to anybody that's willing to read it. So after the service today, all the books that we could find, we bought them. It won't be enough for everyone, at least this Sunday, but it will be. Because I think this is so significant for us to learn and be equipped as to how we interact with unchurched and non-churched folks about the love of Jesus. I think, I think as a church, we have succeeded in taking the steps of, of realizing we're not here for ourselves. The church was never designed to be an institution focused on the needs of its members. Never designed that way. And when we make it that, we go against the grain of the very purposes that God created the church. And I think we're learning that. And we're, we're understanding that. And we're, we're seeing that. And we, we see that in how we involve in ministries in fe- like Feast of Love and Sunlight Power. We see that in people now giving of themselves and and tutoring kids at Treehouse and Whiz Kids. We see it in folks that are gathering to say, how do we care for homeless families in the Interfaith Hospitality Network? We we see that in in a number of different ministries. And, And that's saying nothing about just our individual lives as neighbors, members of the community. Where where we realize we are as we pray regularly, we are called to be servants like Jesus, to the world. And actually, that's the easy part. It's easy to be, to be a servant, to serve in that way for Jesus. And, and we've taken some baby steps. But now that we're out there, we're starting to hit into, all right, how do we, we encounter people who, who have a longing and a need, a desire for Jesus, and the old ways of evangelism don't work anymore. They just don't work. Ask anybody, and they'll tell you they don't work. Well, how do we, in this day, in this age, encounter, engage with those that now we're actively serving? Well, how do we serve them in the most loving way, which is to share with them the love of Jesus Christ? And that's some of the things and the questions and issues that Doug addresses in this book and what he's going to address when he comes and speaks to us. Um, in April uh, on a, the 17th on a Saturday workshop. Just training, engaging with us, helping us. How do we marshal the resources that we have? How are we shrewd in this world so that we can share the love of Jesus Christ in a world that every statistic, every statistic shows you they, there is an aversion to organized church. But there is a real inquisitive wonder about the grace and mercy of Jesus. What are some of the ways that we are able to avoid focusing on church, which becomes a battleground, and instead focusing on Jesus? 
So, our, what we sensed God calling us to do simply is just buy the books and give them away. So, the one thing I ask, if you take a book, that's a commitment, that you're saying, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this in the next two months. That's all that I ask. If, if you go beyond that, participate in the, the workshop or just engage in conversation beyond that, be great uh, for that to happen. Now I wonder, I want to put a question in your mind. How is God calling you to marshal your resources? What are they? What are, the, what are the things you love to do? Well, how can that be marshaled in a way to be clearly focused, doing what you love, but doing it for Jesus? You know, what is it that God has placed in you as a passion, as an energy? Well, what's a simple way that you can do that for others? I mean, is it, do you have a love for children? Do you have a love for reading? Well, go Read at the library. Go read at the local school. Go put yourself in a situation where you're serving others in the name of Christ. Doing what you love. Is it gardening? Well, how can you explore gardening in a community? How can you help be a part of providing fresh produce for people? Is it business? Is it money? You love making money? Well, how can you help share that with others? Do you have skills and abilities in leadership? Well, how can you pass that on to others? How can you marshal those resources so that it is in line with the kingdom of God? This passage, I think part of it, is that it's difficult to understand because it's Jesus sort of lifting up a dishonest manager and we get focused on that. I think the other reason we don't like it or we want to sidestep it is because it's really getting at the heart of the matter. And I think that's why the second part of the passage is there. Why Luke put that you can't serve God and money. Because what Jesus is getting at is the very core essence of our motivation in the center of our lives. Are we really following Jesus with a reckless abandon? Are we even moving in that direction? Or are we like the steward, sort of satisfied before the master came and said, your job's gone? Where is it? What is it? How is God just in one thing, just... You're not going to change the world. You can't change anybody. Maybe through the work of the Spirit, you'll change. Where is that? Where's the passion, the energy, the, the love that you have and that you have? And now it's just a matter of saying, okay, God, these are the resources you've given me. This is the life you've given me. This is the energy you've given me. Now, how, how are you wanting me to shrewdly focus and marshal this for your purposes, for the pleasure of your will? Are the tools and resources, the position, the influence, all that we have, all that God has given us, how do we best 
Take a step of focusing them for your purposes. Let us pray. Gracious God, speak to us. Speak to us like you uh, did with that steward. Show us the loves in our life, the passions, the pleasures, the things you've created us to do. And lead us so that they are marshaled with laser-like energy and focus for the things that please you. In Jesus we pray. Amen.